0: our focus is going to be in chapter 5 but for the sake of context I'm going to begin reading in chapter 4 and verse 11 and please stand with me for the reading of God's Word Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 11 and ladies and gentlemen this is the Word of God let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience for the Word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart And no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account to help in time of need for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness because of this he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of the people pray together lord we thank you for your holy inspired inerrant infallible word write the truth of it on each of our hearts as we hear we ask in jesus name amen Amen. you may be seated thank you i want to begin by asking you a personal question i'd like you to think deeply about the question before you answer it in your mind here's the question if you were on the road to hell if the road you were traveling was going to take you to the place of conscious everlasting eternal punishment banished from the smiling presence of god with no hope of remedy would you want to know that or would you want to wait and find out that's indeed the case and was the case would you want to find that after your death when you stand before god or would you want to know now when would you want to know when would you want to be told i think the answer if we are in any way sane is this tell me now please i beg you tell me now tell me now Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 tells us there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Those are haunting words informing us that we as human beings can be oblivious to the reality, going on our merry way, thinking all is well, but nothing could be further from the truth. We may think we're on the right path. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it's a pathway that leads to death. And to destruction. So I want to know, and I believe you are sane and intelligent, smart people, and you want to know. And if you don't, may the Holy Spirit work in your heart so that you want to know, and that you might hear and receive the most important message you'll ever hear. That message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a clear message. May you hear it without distortion without dilution may it be today a tell it like it is message that's what the message is today the most important message you'll ever hear not because it's me who is saying it but because i stand here as the king's herald and i come with an urgent message before this sermon is over god helping me i want to make this clear and i hope that you say in your heart thank god i heard this today before it was too late As we come to the text of Hebrews 5, we see in the first four verses qualifications for a high priest in ancient Israel in the Old Testament period, the things they needed to have before they could be high priest. And secondly, from verses 5 through 10, we see how these requirements are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. As we look at this text before us we see from verse 12 of the previous chapter that the Word of God gets the job done goes to the place of all places the secret places of the heart and lays us open and bare and naked we're all exposed to the eyes of God through the means of the Word of God and with that we should be frightened thank God that that is not the end of the book or of the passage But verse 14 goes on to say since then we have a great high priest because this is our condition we're exposed before a holy god thank god we have a great high priest who has done the job necessary passing through the heavens going to the heavenly tabernacle and making the ultimate one sacrifice for sin in our place he was one who was tempted as we are yet without sin unlike the old testament high priests as we come to the end of chapter 4 we see that we can draw near with confidence with boldness of speech to the throne of grace the throne of grace and find the help that we need as we start chapter 5 it begins with the word for and that's again indicative of the fact that the chapter and verse divisions in our Bibles are not inspired Uh, you don't normally start a conversation with for hi David for no no. uh, what am I missing no for means on the basis of what's being said now I'm going to say this for every high priest chosen among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins notice the flow of the argument on the basis of what has been declared already for every high priest chosen from among men notice that phrase chosen from among men only a human being can represent human beings no animal can no bull no lamb no animal at all no angel and that's a point that has already been made in the book of hebrews no animal no angel can the one who's a high priest must have solidarity with man he must be a man himself he's chosen from among men go back to chapter 2 of Hebrews and you see this of Christ a verse we've looked at a number of times already Hebrews 2 17 therefore he talking of Christ had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people he had to be exactly like us he had to be as the Nicene Creed said true God and true man truly man not half man half God but truly man and truly God but he was truly a man and that is one of the qualifications for a high priest Then we see the word chosen, and it's a word that means this high priestly office is a God-appointed office. God is the one who chooses the high priest. Man is not given or allowed the initiative in how he approaches God. God sets the terms. Nowhere in our Bibles does God ever say, Israel, go amongst the nations, knock on the tents of the Amalekites and find out what kind of service they'll come to. Find out what kind of music they like. Find out what they want the songs to be about. What kind of tempo they like. What kind of colors. How long the service should be. And let's have a seeker-sensitive service. No, God just says to Israel, you'll be my people, you'll do it my way, you'll make a tabernacle, you'll do it according to all these specifications, and only then am I going to show up. There is a seeker, and that is God and God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth always when he approaches man to have relationship it's always on the basis of a covenant and always with a legitimate God appointed priest and an appointed sacrifice we've read verse 1 look at verse 4 of chapter 5 here Hebrews chapter 5 verse 4 and no one takes this honor for himself but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So, it's confirmation of the fact that this is a God-appointed office. No one is coming by themselves, offering themselves for this position. God appoints his high priest. That's the implication. Look at verse 1 again. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed. The implication there, appointed by whom? Appointed by God. You see, a man is qualified to be a high priest only by divine appointment. That is so foreign to us in the Western world and especially here in America. We know that if we can't get the job done, no one else can. And if we can just do our thing, we can get whatever we need done. We can blast our way through a mountain and make a road. We can do all kinds of things. And we can get to God, we think, by self-effort by our actions and God says you're not even starting coming to me unless you have a God-appointed priest to act on your behalf this high priest doesn't decide on being a high priest as a career opportunity he's not a teenager thinking you know if I really work at this I I, I think I'd like to be a high priest now God appoints the high priest He doesn't apply for the job and God alone makes the choice God has the initiative no one takes the honor for himself but only when called by God just as Aaron was as we've read earlier in the service in the book of Numbers chapter 16 and 17 God made it clear who his appointed priest was Aaron's rod budded as God said his chosen one would Aaron's priesthood was a God called priesthood. And when challenged, God brought supernatural attestation to show that Aaron was the chosen priest, unlike all the others. And the message was there's no dispute. We know whom God has chosen. We know whom God has appointed. So this office of high priest is not by way of self appointment, it's not democr- democratically an elected position it's God's sovereign choice so we continue on in chapter 4 every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins God requires a priest to give man an ongoing relationship with God most Christians have never thought through that but that's really what the book of hebrews is outlining the message is there's a great high priest and we're kind of interested but when we actually understand our bibles we think this is amazing god has an appointed high priest and he'll act on our behalf and he has acted on our behalf what a message i hope you're coming away as you walk through hebrews with that same excitement in your heart god requires a priest To give man an ongoing relationship with god you're only going to get to god through his appointed means a priest that he's ordained and a sacrifice that is a qualified sacrifice we're told two things he will offer sacrifices on behalf of man and he'd receive gifts on behalf of god so he's from among men he's from man and then, if you look again in verse 1 on behalf of man so he's from among men from man and on behalf of men for man for man so a priest offers a sacrifices uh, offers a sacrifice and the message is there can be no legitimate sacrifice without a legitimate priest I wonder if we could say that out loud together there can be no legitimate sacrifice say that there can be no legitimate sacrifice without a legitimate priest without a legitimate priest without a sacrifice there's no means of approach to god and without a priest you can't even offer him a gift that's quite amazing verse one but we haven't finished there's verse two he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward again talking of the qualification of a high priest since he himself is beset with weakness that word gentle conveys the idea that he's sympathetic with other sinners he's beset as one translation says he's clothed with weakness he's conscious in other words of his own weakness he doesn't come with a superior attitude oh who are you that you've sinned no, he's not headstrong. He's not an overreacting person. He's gentle. Instead of being overreacting, he's considerate. He's compassionate. He's sympathetic. He's compassed with weakness. He's aware of his own struggle with sin. And I think the implication here is he's not easily shocked. And if you've ever sat with a christian and they've told you what they've done and they've confided in you and you tried not to overreact someone who's aware of their own sin won't do that they'll realize there but for the grace of god go i i'm capable of that too and so a way for the priest to be kept humble in old testament period to be kept not being superior in attitude is outlined in the next verse verse 3 because of this he's obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of the people so part of the process of keeping the priest gentle and not overreacting is that when he goes into the holy of holies when he makes sacrifice when he goes into the tabernacle first business is making sacrifice for his own sin before he makes sacrifice for the sins of others that's a good way of keeping you humble exactly yeah that'll do it he's reminded of his own weakness so in other words the high priest is conscious that he also is capable of sin he has that attitude if it wasn't for god's grace this could be me as well the priest business is not to condemn but to deal, deal gently with weak people conscious of their own weakness because he's conscious of his weakness and his propensity to sin so summing it up he's chosen by god he's a man he's from man and he acts on behalf of man and he's able to sympathize with those he represents he makes sacrifice on their behalf christ is all of this except for one certain difference he's without sin as chapter 4 is already ready made clear chapter 4 verse 15 yet without sin verse 4 we've alluded to it no one takes this honor for himself in other words self-promotion is not in play at all but only when put called by God just as Aaron was now what the writer now does is show how Christ is uniquely qualified to be our great high priest and therefore that's the basis on which we can draw near to God I wonder if there's something stirs in you when you hear about God do you want to know him because that's what salvation is oh yeah there'll be free rents. oh yeah there'll be streets of gold oh yeah there'll be amazing things to see in heaven but heaven is heaven because we'll see Jesus we'll see him face to face and there's something in us the Christian that wants what we didn't want before we want God as he really is. We want to know him paul prayed that i might know him the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings philippians 3 10. i trust that that's echoing something in your own heart you want to know god you want to know him as he is so that's what the writer does the context being the end of chapter four we've got a great high priest and he's accessible he's not just available once in a moment or once in a year or once every three years, you just get on a, a, a list and eventually he'll get back to you. But he's available all the time at our point of need. In the time of need, which is the ending phrase of the fourth chapter. <clears throat> chapter 5 and verse 5. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, was, but was appointed by him. Notice, God appointed Ladies and gentlemen, this is amazing news because we're not Jewish normally, most of us. It doesn't strike us with the same force and intensity it should. But if we could grasp the God of the Bible, salvation is of the Jews, as Jesus said in John chapter 4. And here's the message a representative has been appointed. It's amazing. Don't fall asleep when I tell you this. <laughs> a representative has been appointed on behalf of guilty sinners. Jesus is God's appointed high priest. J. A. Bengal wrote this: "Whatever is excellent in the Levitical priest, that is in Christ, and indeed in a higher degree, and whatever is lacking. In the levitical priests is supplied in jesus christ so everything that was good about the levitical priest is true of christ except he's a better priest he comes with a higher degree of priesthood and whatever was lacking is supplied in jesus christ i'd like to also now quote robert murray mcshane and it's the last part that is often heard as a quote and if you've never heard it i'm loving the fact we're going to get to it but I want to give you the paragraph rather than just a sentence. The paragraph is just wonderful. Feast on this. He wrote this. I ought to study Christ as a living savior more, as a shepherd, carrying the sheep he finds, as a king, reigning in and over the souls he has redeemed, as a captain, fighting with those who fight with me, as one who has engaged to bring me through all temptations and trials however impossible to flesh and blood i am often tempted to say how can this man save us how can christ in heaven in heaven deliver me from lusts which i feel raging in me and nets i feel enclosing me this is the father of lies again but the scripture says he's able to save unto the uttermost i ought to study christ as an intercessor he prayed most for peter who was to be most tempted and i am on his breastplate. here's the thing that we normally hear wonderful quote if i could hear christ praying for me in the next room I would not fear a million of enemies. Yet the distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Scripture says in Hebrews 7, he ever lives to make intercession for us. What a message. Jesus is God's appointed high priest. What a wonder this is. What the writer then does is supply us with Two Old Testament quotations the first is found in Psalm chapter 2 the second Psalm so it says in Hebrews 5 verse 5 Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest but was appointed by him who said to him now quoting Psalm 2 you are my son today I have begotten you this actually is a scripture already Quoted in Hebrews, turn back to Hebrews chapter 1. Talking of the Son, says in verse 3 He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purifications for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high just to insert here no old testament high priest ever sat down their job was never ever finished always more to do jesus not making eight sacrifices or a hundred and eight but by one sacrifice was able afterwards to sit down it's all done everything finished forever having verse four become much more superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? So it's a question. When God ever spoke to an angel, did he ever say, You're my son, today I've begotten you? And the answer, of course, is no. God never said that to an angel. And while quoting this same verse in Hebrews chapter 5 now, He's again quoting Psalm 2, verse 7 with a different nuance, speaking of the kingly reign of the Messiah. He's God's Son. He's the heir of all things. That's kingly language. He made everything. He's ruling everything. He's the heir of everything, and everything is going to be His. And God has said about him, You're my son. Today I have begotten you and then as we continue in hebrews 5 verse 6 as he says in another place the other place being psalm 110 you are a priest forever after the order of melchizedek let's keep our place in hebrews and go to psalm 110 psalm of david verse 1 reads psalm 110 verse 1 yahweh the lord says to my lord sit at my right hand until i make your enemies your footstool the lord sends forth from zion your mighty scepter that's the words that reflect the kingship of the messiah rule in the midst of your enemies Not rule in a place that is foreign to adversity no in the middle of your enemies rule your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning the dew of your youth will be yours the lord that's yahweh has sworn here's what is very interesting to me god gives an oath the lord has sworn the sworn yahweh makes an oath he just needs to say it but when he swears something it is so good as done it's done done the lord has sworn and will not change his mind you are a priest forever after the order of melchizedek the lord is at your right hand he will shatter kings on the day of his wrath He will execute judgment among the nations filling them with corpses he will shatter chiefs over the wide earth he'll drink from the brook by the way therefore he will lift up his head back to hebrews quotation of psalm 110 verse 4 again is the second quotation as he says in another place you're a priest forever after the order of melchizedek now an entire chapter of Hebrews is going to be devoted to the subject and the theme of Melchizedek chapter seven so we'll come to that eventually but as we have looked at Psalm 110 it speaks of that kingly reign of Messiah and verse four says the Lord God himself has sworn and will not change his mind change his mind about what the priesthood of this king this king is a priest. This priest is a king. And there's nothing temporary about this priesthood. Now that's becoming significant as we read Hebrews because we're going to read that the Old Testament offerings and sacrifices are now redundant because of the finished work of the great high priest. We don't need to sacrifice lambs and bulls and goats because the Lamb of God has been slain for us and worthy is the lamb there's nothing temporary about this priesthood it's here forever it's a settled permanent decision and so sure we can be about this that we can rest on the fact not only has God said it but he sworn himself to this this is a permanent priesthood this king priest is priest forever there's not going to be a time in the eons of ages to come where he is not the priest and forever the king it's an eternal oath it's the way it is it's the way it is now it's the way it is forever god says you're my son today i begotten you and you are a priest forever after the order of melchizedek we're going to see that the priesthood of melchizedek is far superior to that of the levitical system but there'll be no annulment to this priesthood this priesthood will never be obsolete it'll never be dissolved it'll never be it will never be replaced it's permanent and forever and ever and ever and ever this one will stand in this priesthood he's a priest from a greater order than aaron and if we realize we have this high priest he's available and he's asked forever and ever and ever and ever and ever what are you saying forever and ever there's no end to this priesthood and he's a priest who reigns and he's reigning for us and he's available to us we would get slightly excited i think if we believe this we would how do we make application in our own day well of course the obvious and that is the end of chapter 4 already stated that we can come boldly to the throne of grace because we've got a great high priest who's authorized by god appointed by god and has brought the one sacrifice for sins in our place that has been accepted by God so that this one sat down after the offering was made. He didn't bring a lamb, he was the lamb. And he sat down. The Father's pleasure in the sacrifice is seen by raising Christ from the dead. At this point, I'm going to say some strong things. I'm going to say some things about Roman Catholicism about Mormonism about the Christian cults Dr James White once in fact recently said this the vast majority of so-called Protestants are Protestants of tradition and taste not of conviction or knowledge and a Protestant that does not know why they are Protestant is just a Roman Catholic convert waiting to happen when someone says i don't want to be a roman catholic i think the pope's hat is a little strange or i don't like the bells and the whistles and they don't understand the real issues of the reformation and what it is that we believe to be the teaching of the word of god when they don't understand they are liable with just a little bit of argumentation to give up that which they have because they're not convinced by conviction of the scriptures they just say I, I, I just like a, a church that's more like this more like that and I don't like the trappings of Rome when you understand something of the Reformation you understand something of the architecture not only of the building but the fixtures inside the church building and every fixture tells a story it's proclaiming something there's a theology there's a thinking behind it The fixtures in a church building tell a story and in roman catholic churches what is center stage what is center always no matter where you go in the world is an altar that's what's central usually a stone altar communicating the fact that at the center point of the service a sacrifice is being made on the altar off to the side you may see a pulpit you may see a little lectern, but the central act of worship is a priest bringing a sacrifice. It's a according to them, a representation of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It is the after offering of Calvary's cross. Jesus, in full deity and full, fully bodily present, is being offered by the priest to God as a sacrifice. The reformation was a back to the bible movement in my study this week i listed all of the scriptures that confirm roman catholic priesthood it's a blank page there are no bible verses it is not a god-appointed priesthood it is a man-made unqualified priesthood turn in your bible to first peter chapter 2. I realize what I'm saying is controversial truth often is I realize people can pay a high price for the things I'm saying I stand as one who don't I don't even know the names of my father's brothers I'm in my 50s they've never acknowledged my existence because my dad being raised a Roman Catholic came out in understanding the gospel and they renounced him and has never even acknowledged my existence I know there's a high price to pay For the truth i'm telling you today But first peter chapter 2 is still in our bibles and writing to the people of god let's be clear who he is writing to by going to chapter one of peter first peter chapter one peter an apostle of jesus christ to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion and so it goes on he's writing to god's people he's writing to god's elect people wherever they are scattered amongst the nations That's who he's writing to and in chapter 2 verse 9 he says of them but you corporately you plural you are a chosen race you'll notice if you know your bible this is a quotation from the book of exodus where god said these words to israel but now to the elect of god he writes this but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood which who Certain people amongst the elect? No, all the elect are royal priests. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Ladies and gentlemen, there is not a priesthood within the believing community that is above every other priest in the community. You're all priests. All of us and we don't bring a sacrifice of an offering our sacrifice offering is a sacrifice of praise we thank God for the sacrifice that has been made on our behalf we celebrate the one sacrifice we don't bring another one every Christian is a royal priest And the sacrifice we bring is a sacrifice of praise you god's elect are a chosen race a royal priesthood all god's people are priests i realize this is controversial i believe and know that even saying these words i can face hostility but i want to ask you why would i say this just to annoy you or do i actually care about your soul and are you interested in hearing this truth Do you want to know that the way of Rome is the way to death? Do you want to know that? There's a way that seems right to a man. Lots of religious stuff happens, but God says, away with it! Away with it! This is not a God-appointed priest. This is not a God-appointed sacrifice. Away, an illegitimate priesthood. Away with a priest re-sacrificing Christ on a human altar in the Mass. Away with it all. I've attended family memorials and funerals. And at certain points at a Roman Catholic event, I will, knowing the Mass is coming, just quietly leave, not make a big fuss. I find out later that this is horrendously offensive, horrendously offensive. But ladies and gentlemen, knowing what the Mass is, I cannot sit there. I have to leave. Because what is being in view, though it's not really happening, but what they say is happening, is Christ is being represented as a sacrifice. In the Reformation, the stone altar was removed. Where in the church was it? You don't find it. Because there is no more sacrifice for sins. Instead, usually a wooden pulpit was erected higher than the people so that there's no distraction. Everyone can hear the Word of God without distraction. And it's the proclamation of the Word of God that became central in the Protestant churches. The stone altar of sacrifice was removed, replaced by a high elevated pulpit, usually of wood, so there'd be no distractions and the word of God could be heard. How much do you want to hear the word of God? Whether it costs us our life, I want to know the truth. Instead of an altar of sacrifice, there's a wooden pulpit. And beneath the pulpit was a wooden table to feast. On Christ and his wants for all sacrifice. Not an altar of sacrifice. You see, I'm a Protestant by conviction, not because I just don't like the Pope's hat. But this is a welcoming table, feast on Christ and what He's done for sinners. What I'm about to read to you is so grotesque so hard to read, yet I must read it. It's the words written in a very popular book amongst Roman uh, Catholics called The Faith of Millions. John O'Brien is the author. I hardly dare say it, but this is a summary of Rome's teaching. That's why it's never been renounced by Rome. Are you ready? Got your seatbelts on. When the priest announces the tremendous words of consecration, he reaches up into the heavens, brings Christ down from his throne, and places him upon our altar to be offered up again as the victim for the sins of man. It is a power greater than that of saints and angels, greater than that of seraphim and cherubim. We're talking about supernatural power indeed is a greater it is greater than the power of the virgin mary while the blessed virgin was the human agency by which christ became incarnate a single time the priest brings christ down from heaven and renders him present on our altar as the eternal victim for the sins of man not once not once but a thousand times the priest speaks and lo, christ the eternal and omnipotent god bows his head in humble obedience to the priest's command of what sublime dignity is the office of the christian priest who is thus privileged to act as the ambassador And the vice gerent of Christ on earth. He continues the essential ministry of Christ. He teaches the faithful with the authority of Christ. He pardons the penitent sinner with the power of Christ. He offers up again the same sacrifice of adoration and atonement which Christ offered on Calvary. No wonder that the name which spiritual writers are especially fond of applying to the priest is that of Alta Christus, for the priest is and should be another Christ. End of quote. I'm sorry, I can't sit through that. It's an illegitimate priest. Bringing an illegitimate sacrifice. The man is not called. He's not appointed. He brings a sacrifice that does not atone. Ladies and gentlemen, run for your life. Run for your life. When it's understood what is supposedly taking place on a Roman altar on 7th Avenue and 16th Avenue and around the world in China and Bulgaria at the same time Christ is coming down he can only be in one place at one time that's his humanity no he's on 7th Avenue is there at 11 o'clock and he'll be there at 2 p.m. on 16th Street no way the Lord Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He's not coming down anywhere. He doesn't need to. Once informed, no one should ever sit through the Mass. It would be like witnessing a pig being sacrificed to Zeus. Would you sit through that? You wouldn't sit through that, right? Ladies and gentlemen, the sacrifice of the mass is far worse than that. Far more blasphemous than that. Many of my forebears in the faith paid the ultimate price for saying these things. But I stand with them no matter the cost. I say this not to be unkind, because I love God and I love people enough to warn them there's a way that seems right to a man but the end is the way of death so what's the way out oh it's goodness the Lord Jesus Christ is God's appointed representative for sinful man being not a sinner himself he's altogether righteous though tempted in every point as we are he was without sin this one was the son of the father from all eternity the eternal son god the son he came into this world born of a virgin living a pure and sinless life obeying all of god's commands and then at the cross going there because he wanted to glorify his father and die in the place of sinners like you and me he went there willingly and as he hung on the cross god the father laid on him the iniquity the rebellion the sin of us all all of god's people past present and future was laid on him isaiah 53 says he bore our sins in his body on the tree first peter 2:24. he was the passover lamb he's the lamb who is the one who takes away the sin of the world as john the baptist described john chapter 1 verse 29 And as he hung there, the Father laid on Christ the iniquity, the sin of all God's people. And he hung and suffered in our place. And before he gave up his life, he cried out, It's finished. It's done. I've done it. I've accomplished it. He never said, I've half done it. I've mostly done it. Now it's up to you. I've done it jesus christ made full atonement for sin as he hung there three days later he was raised from the dead and we would ask this question where is he now that's the good news he's now at the right hand of the father as the high priest having made the one ultimate sacrifice for sin accepted by the father and he's now interceding for us on the basis of his sacrifice The devil says, but this one did this, and this one did this. And the son says, but I did this. I conquered on the cross. I absorbed that one sin. I took it on myself, Father, you remember? You laid it on me, and I suffered in their place. I did it. And the father says, case dismissed. This one is forgiven. This one is righteous with the righteousness of my son, now and forever. And right now, Jesus stands as the priest, accepted as our representative so that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and say, I know by myself I deserve death and hell, but this one suffered in my place. Oh God, I come in the name of Jesus. I come because Jesus is my high priest. I stand with him, in him. I'm in him and the Father says, welcome, just as I'd never throw my son out. I will never throw you out you're accepted in the beloved now and forever not because of your sin now being just winked at but i laid that sin on my son and you now free forever you and i've been given a righteousness that is supreme and perfect though we can grow in our sanctification becoming more like christ we can't grow in our justification It's a legal term. It's a courtroom word. God has said, you're forgiven. You're accepted. And you're righteous. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So if you come to Him, Have you come to this high priest i plead with you i beg you come to him before it's too late there is a way of destruction and you're on it until you come to christ so what is the right way jesus said not i know the way but i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me no one comes to the father but except according to now what we understand from hebrews through the priestly office and sacrifice of the lord jesus christ so we say lord thank you thank you for our great high priest while i was not being in any way religious while i was rebellious shaking my face my my fist in your face While we were still sinners, the Bible says, not while we were on this road of righteousness, while we were sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. What love. Have you understood the love of God in the person of Jesus, what He's done for us guilty sinners? If you do, you'll never go back to Rome. You'll never go back to Salt Lake. You'll never go back to New York you'll never go back to any other place but the cross of the lord jesus and say it was there it was there he bore my sin it was there on golgotha on golgotha he hung there in my place i believe in him because he died in my place and he rose again from the dead and he alone is my standing before the father as first corinthians 1 30 says he's made unto us wisdom righteousness sanctification and redemption so that the father says why should i let you into my heaven my only answer is this I can think of nothing nothing I've done ever except one stood in my place and bore my sin and one has given me righteousness the righteousness of your fulfilled law and on that basis and that basis alone I can stand before you God says right answer come on in that ladies and gentlemen is a truth worth dying for it's a truth worth living for and for the ages of the ages, it will all be the one story of the Christian. He saved me. Look at him. Islam. He saved me. Yeah, he saved you too. Yeah, he saved you too. Yeah, I'd like to hear your story, but isn't he amazing? I want to hear how he saved you. But the message is not the circumstances of your salvation the message is the gospel of jesus christ and he is he's on the throne he's the king and he's the priest forever and ever and ever and ever let's pray father thank you for the lord jesus our great high priest we give you praise now and forever may all who hear this repent and believe the good news and come to him on his terms through the god-appointed priest through his god-appointed sacrifice we ask it in jesus name amen